let's do this. Ladies and gents, welcome back to another A Thompson and Other Disappointments. This is episode 243, I think. Um, it's, uh, it's Friday. It's been another week of low lights and abysmal, intellectually barren, barrel-scraping bellendry. Uh, so once again, I am asking you to join me as I navigate my way through the latest developments of what is the formerly Great Britain, and indeed to try to make sense of the senseless. Uh, a quick what's up to the Patreons and the YouTube community members. Big ups to you all. Uh, you guys give my funny bone a funny boner. Uh, you're just tops. You really are. Uh, and if you want to get involved in the show, get amongst it, join the community, join the cult that I'm starting. Um, I started it on Patreon, but I've now expanded it into this YouTube community thing. Um, all you have to do, go to patreon.com forward slash a Thompson, uh, or you can click the little join button if you're watching this live on YouTube or later um, when it comes back on YouTube for non-community members on Sunday. Uh, there's a little join button underneath all of my videos and you can uh, you can pop on that. And it's the same tiers as Patreon um, and same benefits. You get episodes of the podcast two days before everybody else. Uh, you get London meetups. You get first dibs on the live shows, on tickets for that. There's a Discord chat. It's pretty good. I could go into uh, I could go into more detail maybe towards the end. So anyway, patreon.com forward slash a Thompson uh, or, or click the join button on YouTube. Right. Without without further ado, with further ado, I, I don't even know. It's, it's going to be a good show, guys, tonight. I'm, I'm feeling on like top form here. I really am. It's A-game material this week for you. Um, it's been a week. It's been... It's been such a week that it's been an effort to produce content for me. Uh, twixt sobs and whatever the next horrific development is that's been surfacing on my notice. Uh, we've seen Donald Trump's polling improve over in the United States. He's now polling ahead of Joe Biden, if you can believe that. Uh, he's also just won the Iowa caucus, which isn't a huge shock. But it is still another nail in the coffin of American democracy. What else has been happening? Uh, we've had the beginnings of World War Three in the continued bombing of Yemen. Um, then, despite a lot of grandstanding and commitment to their principles, uh, the Tories went with their you know, self-serving sociopathic tendencies of self-preservation and they allowed the Rwanda vote to sail through the commons anyway. And if that wasn't bad enough, Sunak then went on TV and told everyone that a policy that wasn't in the manifesto, that polls horrifically, was somehow the will of the people. While simultaneously ignoring the actual will of the people who are polling in favour of him, fucking off. Um, oh, and, and, if that wasn't bad enough, <laughs> the journalists of the Mail have been in utter despair dear listeners, over the Princess of Wales's not serious, not critical, very much planned <laughs> abdominal surgery, uh, which has lifted my mood a bit, actually, if I'm really honest about it. It's lifted my mood. I mean, like, I don't wish her any harm or anything, guys. I'm sure she's a lovely person, so no actual harm. I wouldn't wish that on... But maybe a light bit of pre-planned surgery. I would wish that on her. I am that petty. Uh, so anyway, it's been a week of mostly awful news again. Uh, joining me tonight, really pleased to have him here, taking time out of his usual Friday night hobby of physically hunting Tories. Uh, please welcome to the show, Labour Social's Graham Goddamn Hughes. Woo! 
Hello. Hi there. Evening, mate. Hello. How are you doing? Doing our rail shooter, we've got a rail shooter which is called Toff Hunter 3000, on which you ride on top of a train and you shoot uh, toffs, and money comes out, and then at each station you distribute it amongst the poor. That is an incredible synopsis for a game. Is that a real game? No, but it yeah. should be. <laughs> here's, here's a weird thing. Like I said to my girlfriend the other week, I was like, because my son's getting really into coding now. Yeah. Oh, uh, fantastic. Which is to make tough Hunter 3000. Well, it, 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 this is such The a... more you play it, the better the train gets. <laughs> this is a real <laughs> great minds. Time. This is a real great minds <laughs> moment because I said to her, I was like, you know, he's getting into, like, I don't know if you're familiar with Roblox. Do you yes. know Roblox? Yeah, right. You can make your own games on it. Yeah, yeah. And he's yeah. got Roblox Studio. So he's exploring, like, how to build ah. worlds and shoot them ups and stuff. <clears throat> and I was like, maybe a fun father and son thing to do. Yeah. Would be if he and I built Tory Hunter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although you can't call it Tory Hunter because obviously that would get you into trouble. But you get away with Top Hunter, and they all wear top top hats and have curly moustaches and go woohoo when you it's shoot. Such, such a sort of dis- and money comes out. <laughs> a disgusting irony to the fact that like you can't call it Tory Hunter because that's cruel on another type of person. And yet, <laughs> who are we talking yeah, about? No one thinks they're a Top. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. no one thinks they're poor. No one thinks they're a Top even if they are. But by the same logic, so could you not create a game called Racist Hunter? Yes. You could? That'd be great, yeah. Okay. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I'm sure you're right. I'm sure if you did create... I'm not a racist boss. Right. If you you created a game called Tory Hunter, (laughs) you're probably right, it would get taken down, even though the actual definition for the word Tory is... Thief. There you go. What's bad about taking down a few thieves, right? Well, um, as Carol Vordman pointed out yesterday in her mar- marvellous video, our, our um, uh, deficit, <laughs> the yeah. amount we owe, has gone up from $770 billion in 2010, when the Tories got in, to $2,670 billion. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the party of fiscal responsibility, remember, Gray? That's 700 sorry, £380 million a day for 5,000 days. Yeah, but this is what happens. Days of the Tories yesterday. This is what happens when you have a party in power who style themselves as the party of fiscal responsibility, but for whom actually the business of government is entirely rooted in the idea of looting the public purse, stealing the money, giving it to your mates through contracts or you know back to donors or whatever. But you still have to run the country. Yeah, (laughs) you'll find that money from somewhere. Yeah, well, they're they're not, and that's why. Uh, stories I'm hearing about people not being able to get insulin, mm. not being able to get ADHD medication, oh, yeah. not being able to get anti-depression medication. Um, I'm hearing stories about children whose teeth are just rotting in their faces and their, kids, uh, their parents having to take them to A&E and having to wait 18 hours for the kids to be seen. Yeah. Um, just everything's falling apart because all this money's gone. This money's been stolen from us, Aid. Mm. And they're busy prosecuting people for stealing £2.50 from a... Uh, from a post office when it wasn't even them who stole it. Do you know what I mean? It was Fujitsu. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they go to jail. They go to jail aid. And the rest of them, you know, they're, they're all right. They, 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 uh, the rich people was it on, steal as much as they like. Was it on Labour Social we were saying last week about, like, the difference between, you know, if, if a working class person or near working class person gets falsely accused of something, they yeah. get jailed like that it's it's in front of a magistrate stuff if one of the people who falsely accuses the person 
is found yeah. to have falsely accused them and like not just negligence but maliciously gone after them after they've they been warned. They're going back, mate. Yeah, they just give back the medal. A shiny trinket. It's insane, isn't it? But it's my favourite shiny trinket, Aid. Don't take it from me. What do you think about... Do you subscribe to the idea that if people continue to feel that there's no justice, that they will eventually break and there will be... I don't want to use the word revolution, <laughs> but do you think people will eventually Gaddafi this lot, is what I'm saying? No, not in Britain. No. The weather's too shit. You tend to get revolutions in countries that are nice and warm and really? you spend a few days out on the streets. Do you know what I mean? There's something like, so British summer, about that. It never gets that hot here. Yeah. Do you think uh, that's why... Is that why the London riots kicked off like in the summer? Is yes. That, really? Yeah, because it was dead hot. Interesting. <laughs> you stay outside for a bit. Could you imagine trying to riot in this at the moment? Yeah. It's minus fucking... There's something so funny about like how how British this is. Is like the weather's a bit. Yeah, but like how how often do we spend like yearning for nicer weather in the UK, and yeah. then as soon as it does heat up a bit, we go fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah, we freak out. Um, yeah, but also if it gets cold, we're like, why is it so cold? We're, we live on the same line of latitude as Lake Baikal in mm. Siberia, the deepest and most frozen lake in the world. Have you been and there? No. No, oh. I've not been that far into Russia. I've only been, I, I, I sneaked over the border right. into um, over, over the river Narva from Estonia and got arrested mm. uh, by the Estonians, thank God. If I'd been arrested by the Russians, I'd probably still be there. And then the second time I went, I went to uh, Kaliningrad, which is the little exclave of Russia. Yeah. That exists. And uh, yeah, when I, when I left, I got escorted out by the military. Wow. So I won't be going back there anytime soon. America and, and Russia. The, the two, you know, the, the, the Cold War competent. Com, what was the thing about, like, because I saw your Neither tweet. Neither want me back. <laughs> I, I saw your tweet the other day where it was one guy saying, what's stopping you from moving to the United States of America? And then you said, I've got some sort of, like, it was a travel got a ban. lifetime ban. Yeah, I've got a lifetime ban. Why do they ban you? Because um, you're scouts. It's what? a bit complicated, but essentially they have an ESTA, Electronic tra Travel Authorization, which now we're going to bring in for the EU. And they can change the rules. So it starts off and there's no problem. Where have you been the last five years? Uh, I've been to these places. It's fine. You go anywhere. Um, and then they change the rules on what countries you're allowed to have been to. And it and it's it, it's like retrospective. So even if you've been to the, even if you didn't know that this was going to be a thing. So the first two Esters I got in 2012 and 2014, no problem. But the one I got in 2016 or tried to get in 2016, they suddenly added Sudan to the list. And that was one of the countries that I'd been to in the previous five years. Right. And so I got rejected yeah. for my Esther. Uh, and I read online that you can get into America via Mexico or Canada overland without an Esther. You don't need one because they can interview you at the border, you see, and right. ask you if you're a wrongan. Um, so I tried doing that. <laughs> And they arrested me and <laughs> spent three hours interrogating me on the on the Rainbow Bridge going wow. into uh, New York State, uh, uh, Niagara Falls. It was very romantic, middle of the night. Yeah. And uh, they scanned my eyes and took my fingerprints and asked me what I did for a living. And it was a bit hard to explain. And yeah. they just didn't like the look of me. And basically they said, right, that's it. You, can, you can't get an Esther now for the rest of your life. And that means I can't change planes in America. Wow. So if I'm going to like Mexico or, or Panama or somewhere, yeah. I, I can't I can't go via America. I have to go via Europe. Is there any recourse for that? Can you just go, look, I'm obviously a traveller. I've done these blogs. I've appeared on this. Look, here's my backstory. Well, I, I told them. I think they looked me up online. But yeah. um, the thing is that, like, this is just for the Esther. I can get a visa. 
yeah. it's 150 quid aid and it's a night in london i've got to get to london that's yeah. 150 quid each way these days because lnr don't do uh single uh they don't do uh return furs anymore you gotta buy yeah, two yeah. singles isn't there some uh, sort of like high speed rail link that was going to get built like up to no. the midland no. The north? No? no oh okay no, no. What that was to just that? an excuse. Well, what they did was they compulsory purchased all this land off people who had lived there for generations, and, um, and and now they're selling it back to their mates for less money than they bought it for. Okay, that sounds that. I mean, you must be mistaken because that sounds incredibly shady. Does it aid? <laughs> Does it? Well, well, there you go. Yeah, indeed. Okay. I've, I've just noticed on the thumbnail for this show, uh, it does uh, doesn't half look like I've just done a massive fucking silent but deadly, and you're like wincing. But thank you for using a picture of me from 15 years ago. I kind of appreciate that. I just I literally googled your name. And then <laughs> Google my name, and that's okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but I wanted to get like a nice shot, like of like something that press would have used. <clears throat> so yeah. I googled uh, Graham Hughes Guardian. Because I thought yes. with your traveling stuff, they've probably done a bit on it. And, oh, they hate uh, me in the Guardian. Oh, really? You know, I pitched I pitched the idea to them of going to every country in the world without flying, and they said no. Well, this will pick all so your ideas. I did a bit Lonely Planet instead. So I Googled you and put Guardian on the end, and then the yeah. first thing that came up was actually an explainer about some other mateys, like, international thing. And then it mentions you like briefly in paragraph three. It's like, well, this other guy's already sort of done it, but I'm now I'm going to try and do. It. Can't remember his name now. Yeah, someone. Um, I did it first though. I've got the Guinness World Record. Yeah, fair enough. Still got the Guinness World Record. No one's going to beat that for a while. Not while half the half the world seems uh, pretty much unvisitable at the moment. Yes, I wouldn't recommend anyone going to Yemen, for instance, no. or Syria, or uh, uh, Libya, or Rwanda. To be honest with you. No. We've had six refugees in the last couple of years from Rwanda, aid. Let's, but it's a safe country. Let's <laughs> let's talk about this Rwanda business because obviously it's like it's it's the hot topic this week. It's the big political story. I guess yeah. a, a little bit of context for listeners who might not be so uh, drunk on the news every day like you and I are. Um, but yeah, this was a uh, a policy dreamt up by uh, Boris Johnson and Priti Patel originally uh, on the cusp of the Sue Gray report being like it was about to drop they needed to think of something salacious something titillating uh policy that would be so awful that it would drag the attention of guardian and mirror readers away from the sue gray report in theory um and this was that so they floated yeah. this idea that they would ship off their asylum seekers to rwanda because doesn't that sound hostile um unfortunately it was then taken seriously and they were sort of taken to task pushed yeah. to deliver it and so through Pretty Patel and Suella Braverman and now through to James Cleverly and um, you know all the prime ministers that they've served uh, they're now basically boxed into a corner where they have to deliver this thing to satisfy the ERG types and a few of the Red Wall MPs but also they have to do it within the parameters of international law which I think we've yeah. all kind of accepted <clears throat> is impossible right yes. yeah <laughs> so to get around that again I'm trying to make this as brief as possible They've decided to pass a law that says Rwanda is a safe country to ship yeah. people off to, even though, as Graham has just rightly pointed out, we're still accepting refugees from Rwanda, yeah. from them being persecuted so, over there to here. When people ask how many refugees have been sent to Rwanda since they announced this uh, scheme, uh, it's actually minus six. Mm. <laughs> That's yeah. We've literally taken six refugees from Rwanda, because it's a dangerous country, the, the guy in charge is a guy called 
Paul Kagami. He's been in charge since 2000, so 24 years now, nearly. And um, he uh, he has death squads that go around the world killing people in other countries mm. who are Rwandan and have spoken out against him on the internet. Written him a mean tweet, I don't know. And yeah. just a few years ago, they uh, opened fire on a group of refugees who were protesting uh, in a refugee camp about not having enough food, and they killed them. Yeah. Safe place. And also, part of this, uh, not a lot of people know this, but part of this uh, deal we've got is that we take refugees from Rwanda, mm. from the from the Democratic Republic of Congo next door, and the leader of the Democratic Republic of Congo and the leader of Rwanda don't see eye to eye. They don't like each other very much, and there's border skirmishes a lot in that mm. area because it's a resource-rich area. It's a place where you can get column, what's it called? Coltan? Col- col- Coltan? Right. Cobalt tantalite, whatever it is. It's a particular mineral right. that is in all lithium, well, a lot of lithium batteries. So it's in your phone and in your laptop and in your electric car. And um, there's, a, there's a load of it mm. just over the border in the in the DRC. And so there's always border skirmishes going on about who owns what. Obviously, right. natural resources come into effect. So, yeah, uh, we'll be sending people to a country, getting refugees back, and it costs two hundred and ninety million pounds so far. It's, they reckon it might go up to seven hundred million. Mm. And as uh, Jess Phillips pointed out this week, it, it equates to something like one hundred eighty thousand mm. pounds per refugee to send them over to Rwanda. And you get about forty-two pounds for a ch- someone who's, who's been abused as a child. Yeah, yeah, it's and insane. Again. I mean, this is the uh, point that I keep banging on about in like tiktoks and the, like the paper reviews and and everything is like it's not just a cruel and racist policy um which is it's basically if you boil it down that is all it's supposed to do right it's all it's supposed yeah. to achieve is just tickle the bollies of <laughs> racist fucking idiots who really love the idea of like yeah yeah you're not supposed to be here you know get get them out the boat and straight on a plane and then ship them off to it's, it's that sort of thing yeah. right yeah but if you look at it on um uh, through a logical prism it doesn't stack up economically doesn't stack up morally doesn't stack up politically because they can't get it through in 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 a way that it needs to in order for it to make sense <clears throat> and for it to adhere to international law it doesn't make it doesn't meet any doesn't tick any boxes no. um the only box that it does tick is the one i've just mentioned is that there is like there's a, a certain subset of people in the population who actually really love the idea of shipping very vulnerable people off to a different country. It's, it feels like it's connotations of, you know, a, a prison island or like alcatraz kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's just, it's performative cruelty. That's what yeah. it is. Well, it's not working, Aid. This is the be- this is the beauty of this whole scheme. It doesn't actually work on any level. level. No. So there's going to be no one sent to Rwanda. But even if they did get someone sent to Rwanda, what it's causing is people coming over here in little boats. At the moment, if they say, uh, I'm an asylum seeker, then we have to take them into our system and we have to process their claim. But if we're going to say, oh, no, we're not even going to look at your claim, we're going to send you to Rwanda, mm. then there's no incentive for people to say where they're from or who they are. They're more likely to sneak into the country and that leaves them open to exploitation by mm. the people traffickers. Yeah. So before they'll get across the channel, something that didn't happen before 2018, by the way, 
But um, they get them across the channel, and as soon as they were in the UK, they were kind of free of the people traffickers. Mm. But now they're still going to be enslaved by the people traffickers because the people traffickers are like, oh, well, you don't want the authorities to find you, so please work in this brothel, you 11-year-old girl. Mm. And that's what's going to happen. And so so it's it's not going to stop the gangs. It's going to enrich the gangs. Yeah. It's not going to stop people coming over because if they're not put off by, I don't know, going across 30, 30 miles across a really choppy ocean uh, sea with turds and ice in there, uh, they're not going to be put off by a one in a million chance of them being sent to Rwanda. And also, it's not worked for the Tories because they're still 20 points behind in all the polls. Like, it's not changed. <laughs> it's worse than that, that no man. Like, have you, did you see the poll yesterday? It came out. It's like 25, 27. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. I don't think it's going to be that much. But someone worked that out that if that was the case, the Tories would be reduced to one seat. Yeah. And then someone did some investigation. No, that was Damien Green in the last election who stood the old... Um... Damien Green, was he chancellor at one point? I don't know. Not sure. No, wasn't Doesn't Damien ring a bell. Green. What's his name? Oh, he was a he was he was a Remainer, and he was like. Oh, I know the guy you mean. I can picture him. He's, oh, a, he's an older Green. chap, isn't he? Maybe in his sixties now. Dominic Grieve, is that him? Dominic Grieve, yeah. that's the one. Correct initials, wrong name entirely. Yeah, yeah. Dominic Grieve. It was Dominic Grieve's old constituency, and he stood as an independent in the last election. And the Lib Dems and Labour, I think, stood aside, or at least didn't campaign. So mm. it skewed the statistics. So actually, if they do get 20% of the votes, the Tories, they don't get any seats at all. Yeah. By the yeah. way, because of first past the post, which is tremendously unfair. And you're going to see a lot of Tories this time next year whining about how tremendously unfair first past the post is, even though in any given century, it gives us 66 years of the Tories being in power. Yeah. <clears throat> the, the only other um, addition to that that I was going to say is like it also fails on the Brexit level that policy because yes when everyone was trying to well when everybody was campaigning vociferously for brexit it was all about sovereignty right it was all about like foreign courts uh, us having our say over our own political destiny and so on yeah. um and what's hilarious about this is like the rwandan government have already said we we're not going to stick with this policy this arrangement unless you stick to international law <laughs> so it's like you like you can, by all means, like bash the ECHR over the head as much as you like, but internationally, you're still subservient to a, like a foreign court. Like, as long as there's another party involved, you're always going to have to negotiate with them, right? But it, that, that's something that wound me up this week. They, they referred to the European Court of Human Rights as a foreign court, which is a bit like calling the World Cup a foreign football competition. Yeah. Hey, do you remember when we won that foreign fo football competition, Aid? No, we're part of the. European Court of Human Rights. We can sit on, we can put judges on that. We, we were part instrumental in setting it up in the first place. Yeah. It's our court. It's just, honestly, it, it, it boils my piss. And then someone on the other side said, what's wrong with the foreign court? Instead of tackling them on it, it was, it was Suella Braveman who kept on saying foreign court, foreign court. They wanted to make it sound like mm. we're being told what to do by the French or the Germans or the Dutch. Yeah. Like we're not. <laughs> I remember when this, this rhetoric first arose. Like, it, I mean, it was after the Brexit stuff had kind of settled down a bit yeah and this this narrative of 
uh, the European Court of Human Rights being a problem, being an obstruction, getting in the way of British sovereignty started to bubble up. And I remember thinking, this is going to be the next thing, isn't it? Like they can't, <clears throat> nothing's ever hard enough. It starts off with <laughs> the single market. Oh, we've all been there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but it starts off with like the single market. Oh, no, now we do have to leave the single market. Then it becomes like, oh, it, well, we never said it was going to be a soft Brexit. Now it has to be a hard Brexit. Then it's got to be a harder Brexit. Then a no deal Brexit. And then, and, and then finally, like be each, hard enough. every... Every could you you can't let it go, can you? Um, <laughs> at every single juncture, there's another thing that stops them from further political vandalism. That then it's a thing that they have to abandon, leave, or try to dismantle or destroy. And it's like, have you lot ever tried actually building anything, or improving anything, or optimizing anything, or is everything just like, no, destroy it, tear it down? <laughs> no, the Tories don't know how to create anything. They all all they know is how to destroy. Yeah, and and embezzle. I mean, the amount of money is absolutely sickening. Did they ever do that thing where I said how much a trillion pounds was stacked up in fifty pound notes? No, I talk to you about this. No. Okay, so just quickly because this is morning on my show, a million pounds in fifty pound notes stacked up comes to about six foot six, so the height of a tall person. Tall yeah, um, the height of a billion. Um, comes to twice the height of the Burj Khalifa, the tallest building in the world. Yeah. So that's about one and a half kilometers high, stacked yeah. up, 50 pound notes, right? A trillion worth of 50 pound notes stacked up would be five times higher than the International Space Station. Mm. Yeah. And the Tories have wasted uh, 1.9 trillion um, buying stuff. I don't know what they've bought. Certainly wasn't just to fill potholes or make trains run on time or trains run at all or wasn't the NHS, wasn't dentistry. Did you certainly see, wasn't housing. Did you see that clip from Ian Dale's show the other day? He was doing the rounds yesterday uh, where he he asked, I think it's Stephen Barclay was guesting. Um, and he goes, can you name me one thing that is better now after 14 years of Conservative government? And, and he just... You know, it's just a word salad, just nothingness. And I think it was Ian Dunt shared it. He's like, this is an extraordinary clip, which I thought was like yeah. an understated way. Of yeah. I was like that. Oh, wow. What a disaster. How embarrassing. And especially because, you know, it's no secret that Ian Dale is a, you know, right of centre. Is a what? Is a what? Commentator. There's no casual homophobia here. Thank you very much. Uh, oh, oh, a Tory. Oh, sorry, you meant he was a he's, Tory. Well, is he a Tory? Because when he was on my show, him. when he was sat in that seat that you're sat in right now there, Graham. This one? Not that exact one. When he was in this little chat box that you're in right now, I asked him, I said, could you imagine yourself voting Conservative after all of this nonsense? And at the time, I think it was the height of Partygate and all the lies and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he actually said no. He was like, that's an interesting question. I don't know if I if I will. And I thought, that's incredible, isn't it? Because I, I would box The Times, Ian Dale. Um, traditionally, I would have said Johnny Mercer. Like, these people are sort of right of centre, but not completely frothing, belching <laughs> Mark Francois types, right? Frothing, and even uh, belching bell whiffs. <laughs> but even someone like Ian Dale is like, nah, can't, can't no. get on board with this, you know? Yeah. No, I... I I mean, it, I was talking to um, Phil Morehouse this afternoon. We did a show together um, called The Agenda, which we do at one o'clock. 
And I was just talking to him about this. Like, what's left for Tories to vote for now? Yeah. If you're a lifelong Tory voter, for whatever reason you vo- used to vote Tory, that reason's no longer valid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, oh. if, if you voted because you're a massive racist, well, you know, you're going to vote reform. If you voted for them because you wanted the economy to do well, oh my God, the economy hasn't grown in 16 years. Um, if you want, if you voted for them because you thought they'd be strong on law and order, they've cut the numbers of police, they've cut the amount of money given to courts, so and the, the, the prisons are overflowing, so they're letting rapists go free yeah. because there's no room to house them in the jails. And I mean, don't forget in every, on every metric. Don't forget their own breaking of many, many, many laws now. <laughs> yeah, um, and the fact that Keir Starmer could bring up migration twice mm. two, 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 in, in Prime Minister's questions, the first Prime Minister's questions of the year and, and this week as well. He brought up migration and every question. And the reason he can do that, I mean, that, that's extraordinary for Labour, for a mm. Labour leader to be able to do that to a Tory leader and, and, and put them on the ropes and say, oh, you seem to have lost over 4,000 refugees. Where, where have they gone? Yeah. And there was yeah. no answer for that question. Well, absolutely blindsided him. So, so you're right. I, I, think, <clears throat> I think a lot of traditional Conservatives would have a hard time uh, voting for for any of the recent sort of iterations of the Conservative Party, and and I think I've mentioned before, like my brother used to be involved in uh, the Conservative movement, if that's the right word. In um, really, in your Maidenhead. brother, mm. your evil twin brother, Aid. He's not a twin. No, he's, he's your evil twin brother. My, and he's, my older he was and, the one. My my elder and more handsome brother, and more successful brother. Um, he's uh, he's he, a Tory he, Felcher. He well, he used to, okay. He's so Tory ball goggler. He used to be involved in, like, he, <clears throat> I don't think he was ever, like, fully involved in the party, like that. The way you're talking about this aid, it's almost like you're saying, he used to be involved in drugs. No. <laughs> he used to be involved. <laughs> yeah. He used to be involved in the sex trade, but he's not He involved. would probably feel now, like, it's it like, would be that's less... a really sketchy thing. <laughs> like, it's less shameful to be involved in drugs and sex trade now than I used to be a conservative. <laughs> yeah, they've really soiled the brand. Um, but... But no, so he used to like he used to hang out at the Con Club, and he's met Theresa May, I think, a couple of times, and he he went doorstepping for them. But the reason that I bring him up is because he said to me like about two or three times now, he's just like, I just don't know what's happened to them. Like as far as he's concerned, and I I remember him talking about this stuff when he was about twenty, so he's like proper young Tory boy. Um, yeah. But he used to say he was like, I'm you know I'm I subscribe to the idea of like you know self responsibility make something of yourself, provide for your own family. And, you know, these are traditionally the core pillars of conservatism is it's like, you know, law and order, tough on crime, self-responsibility, small state. Um, and yeah, you're right. They've they've completely abandoned all of these. So a, a person like him, a home counties white guy who since he was 20 has voted conservative, he is like, nah, not, not on board with this. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah. It, it's all over. It's all over for them. Um, it's just uh, we've now got to sit here and wait for it to happen, uh, for the inevitable Starmageddon. It's coming. I like it. The White House <clears throat> of the Tory party. Yeah. The destruction. <laughs> the all-encompassing destruction. I, I'm just taking solace in the fact that in Canada in 1993, the Conservative Party over there, who were the ruling party at the time, they had the most appalling election results. And they were taken down to two seats. Oh, glorious. And within 10 years, the party was defunct. Oh, good. Good, good, good. 
And I think that's what we should do with the Tories. But also, I mean, it's not just enough that they lose. They've got to, I think the Tory party's got to be destroyed. But also, they've got to go to jail. I mean, there's people there who have embezzled billions of pounds. Mm. It's just, you know, if you embezzled 500 quid, if you took 500 quid out the till Mm. from, from the supermarket in which you worked and went and put it on a horse, Mm. You would go to jail for that. Well, you, maybe not jail, but you would certainly be brought, brought in front of a judge and given some community service. Yeah. But the Tories, they've, they're still 500 million. There was a story, this is Carl Vorderman again, but there's a Tory councillor who was given a VIP lane uh, deal mm. for the uh, for, for the old um, the PPE right. <laughs> uh, during COVID. He was given £276 million. Pounds. Mm. And he bought, but he probably uh, worked really it. hard for it, Gray. Uh, so, one hundred and eighty-three million of the two hundred and seventy-six million was um, wasn't fit for purpose. They couldn't use it. Yeah, and so all in all, he cost the taxpayer because the taxpayer's money. Mm. So, the two hundred and seventy-six million plus the one hundred and eighty-three million because he still had to buy. The PPE, so they had to spend extra money yeah. to get the PPE, but he didn't get them. Four hundred and fifty-nine million, and he liquidated the company last summer. Yeah, and he's just going to ride off into the sunset. Yeah, yeah, it's insane, isn't it? It reminds me of that. Did you see the? Um, I think it was a Panorama, uh, or maybe it's a Dispatches thing, where there was this guy who was invoicing uh, so council in Essex, something to do with solar panels. It was like, and there was, there was a big push on like green energy, renewable energy, and so this guy performed as a consultancy for the local conservative authority. He made something ridiculous, like sixty million or a hundred million out of it, and then the investigators started looking at it, like digging it. They they saw it was hooky as fuck. Uh, they like doorstepped him. They were like, "Where's all this money? Like, why? Like, do you realise how much council tax is going to go up now? Like this this next yeah. year because of the." like tomfoolery i'm trying to contain my language here a little bit um because <laughs> oh sorry we're we not supposed to swear oh I, shit, well, no you've got to get it a little oh. bit you've got to you know you know the game graham you can say a little bit here and there but you've uh okay. you've got to be measured um but yeah so they doorstepped him and he just moved overseas just like let he's out of the reach of uk regulators police the nca or whoever's going to investigate it just just taking his winnings and now the people of that local authority yes they are all receiving a council tax increase and i think you're right i think there's a real piece here about like we have to change the political culture if i can just take my piss take cap off for a second and put my activist cap on i think we have to change the political culture in this country away from this idea of oh if you don't like it vote them out like that is not enough of a repercussion for people who are engaged in criminal activity if you're stealing money from the public purse if you're committing fraud like if we just call it what it is to loot the public purse of hundreds of millions of pounds you have to pay a price for that like and i don't care if it's a five stretch in a victorian prison that you and your mates should have paid to improve over the last 14 years you there has to people have to under um People have to be able to see that there is a consequence of... of... The law should yeah. apply to everyone, no matter how rich and famous you are. Mm. And it, we, we do this with we're so deferential. 
And not just to, I don't know, the born rich, but also people who are famous. And you see this all the time where people just feel this knee-jerk reaction to mm. defend people who are famous or, you know, they like them because of what they said. You know, all things being equal, I thought John Burkow was all right until I found out that he was a bully. Mm. And I, I dropped him like a hot stone. Why would I defend him? Why would I go online and say, oh, no, he's not that bad. He helped us out with Brexit. Talking of Brexit, J.K. Rowling, she's come out as a massive transphobe. But before she did that, she was on our side with Brexit. She mm. also said some really cool stuff about paying bloody taxes. Because when she was a single mom writing Harry Potter, she was helped by the state. And she said, well, I stay in the, this country and I pay taxes in this country. Massive respect to her. But then she turned out to be a massive transphobe. Same with Graeme Linehan, who wrote Father Ted and Black Books and the IT crowd. I, I, no, I'm sorry. I, I've got no allegiance to you. I don't owe you anything. You don't owe me anything. I'm not going to go to bat for you on, online and say, oh, I think they're it's all right. It's such, like, if I can just tap into this for a minute, because I think Stop this the is... the death runs. This is, this is a really interesting <laughs> Prince, area. Prince Andrew. <laughs> like, psychologically, because, uh, and again, don't hate me, or certainly don't hate me more than when I tell you that a member of my family is a conservative, uh, you know, traditional. Uh, but I, I remember talking to a sort of mutual acquaintance friend of ours uh sean from drowned in sound <clears throat> i remember talking to him about michael jackson and i was saying i accept now as a grown man i never used to believe this when i was like a teenage fan um i accept now that he probably was a pedophile and an horrendous yeah just a, a child abuser who lied and he was by all accounts quite machiavellian also i was just giving you a thumbs up there on your screen did you notice that who has? Sorry, I don't know if that went out live, but you just got a little thumbs up out your mouth while you were <laughs> Did talking. I? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It came up on the stream. <laughs> <laughs> but so here's my point: <laughs> when you mention nonsense on a yeah, stream, yeah. the thumbs go up. <laughs> um, let, let me try and drag this back into the point that I was attempting to make. I'll probably cl clumsily make it now. But uh, however, I am able even now to separate the art from the artist like i can put on dangerous by michael jackson because i remember the first i bought that album when i was like 11 or 12 and for me that was one of the first albums that i got into where i was like oh god i love music i really like it hit me in a what, visceral what way glitter? no uh what about ralph harris no just jacko i was just a so huge it's someone jacko that you fan. like and so you're kind of a little bit more forgiving I, I'm not even forgiving. Like, I understand that what he did was horrendous, yeah. but I'm able to... It's a complete psychological separation. However, politically, for some reason, maybe it's to do with, like, the different stages of your life, the different acts of your life. Like, that, that the Dangerous album is locked into my head as a... I was 12 years old. It was amazing music. It got me into music. So that's there. But politically now... Like, I was also a big supporter of John Burko. I thought he was a really interesting, funny, charismatic, articulate, witty guy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, I I would I would struggle to put him... Let's say I was Keir Starmer. I'd struggle to put him, if he were an MP, in my front bench because yeah. I would feel like I've worked with bullies. You've probably worked with bullies. Um, I've, I've only worked for myself, mate, and I'm my biggest critic, so yeah. I could say... <laughs> I've always been yeah. a freelancer. But it's, but, do you know what I mean? Like, I think as you get older, maybe there's a piece yeah. to that where it's it's harder to separate them. I, I don't well, know. Well, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I find sort of 
I've got two stepdaughters and they really liked Harry Potter. Mm. Um, but I find it problematic now because it, it touches on some things that are like my particular bugbears, a big one. And this isn't the fault of JK Rowling necessarily or anyone, uh, but it's just the way things are. Mm. We have the biggest films of all time and they are a British book, British cast. It's a British producer, David Heyman, British director, most of them as well. And um, they, they, the, the money was Warner Brothers. So we, we had this amazing thing that we made in this country. And yeah. the only people who are still making money from it years later is Warner Brothers. We're yeah. not making any money from that. That annoys me. I also just, I find a few things in Harry Potter problematic. Um, the, the name of the one Asian girl was a bit like what? And also the name of one of the people who was specifically said in the text that they were black was called Kingsley, Kingsley Shacklebolt. Right. And you're like, okay, where'd you, but you know, little things like that. But I think more than that, it tapped into, and this is probably the reason, one of the reasons why it was so successful. It tapped into the British wank fetish over private schools or, or public schools, I should say. Um, yeah. the idea that you go to this secret community and you take it away from your parents and you get to play with other kids and it's all a big, it, it's loads of fun. You, uh, you look into but, these things so much more deep. So <laughs> for the benefit of like, for the listeners and stuff, uh, so me, Graham and Supertansky were in a WhatsApp chat <clears throat> and we were talking about, what's the name of that series? What was it called? Which one? Saltburn. Saltburn, that's it. That's not a series, it's a TV, it's a film. Yes, you're right. It's a, it's it's a, a book film. originally, wasn't it, I think? No. Was it not? It's just I, a script. script uh, I think it was just a script, yeah. Okay. Um, so, and it's about a sort of, you know, a, a high society, upper class family bringing in a uh, supposedly working class lad who then, you know, I don't want to, spoiler alert it too much, but... Um, but yes, don't like, feed the plebs. <laughs> Graham, Graham looks into it like super deeply through a sort of yes. very. You're so sensitive about classism and stuff, and yeah. you could be right. You could be you, like your your well, perspective. I I, I, well, I don't know if I'm right, but I am. I am sensitive about it because yeah. I was. I I, I I found myself. You know, when I was younger, I was a bit more wide-eyed and a little bit more. You know. If, if you work hard enough and you're remarkable enough, mm. then you can achieve anything. And I came back to this country after being away for many years, traveling with a TV show with Lonely Planet, National Geographic, and the BBC under my belt, a book deal. I've mm. done seven TED Talks. I've done like everything that you're supposed to do yeah. to be able to sort of break into that kind of industry. And I was... I, I mean, I, I, maybe, you know, people just watch this and go, well, you're just not talented enough, Graham. You need to be more talented. But... um it just shocked me the number of people who have some of the top jobs in the country. Mm. And don't get me wrong, you know, there's a lot of people who were born into money who are very good at what they do. But there's a lot of people who are so painfully mediocre. Mm. And seeing these people like Matt Hancock yeah. in these positions of power, life and death positions of power, when they are completely incompetent. And the only reason he's there is because he went to a posh school and his, you know, his mates got him a job. And he yeah. can call up his uncle and borrow fifty thousand pounds because that's something that these people can do. And it's just—I don't know—it it, is—it is just very much to me. In the last few years, I've noticed it more and more. It is them and us, mm. and them meaning like people with the money to start with. Mm. And James O'Brien, who's one of the people who was—he's uh, acutely aware of it actually because he was adopted, and yeah. he just thinks, well, if I wasn't adopted by that particularly rich family, where would I be today? There's 20 presenters listed on the LBC website and 11 of them went to private school. 
I remember only seven percent of the population, mate. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember <clears throat> years ago. Um, I think it was Victoria Corrin, who's probably on your private school mafia. She list. is on the yeah. private school mafia list. HTTPS. Um, colon forward slash forward slash private school mafia.com I'll, I'll <laughs> I'll put a link in the, in the description for the uh, there's there's uh, 785 names on the list now yeah I add to it like every day but I remember someone, we'll say something not better and I'll go did they go to private school and they always have they're like always in the app like the way the way you say it, it's like they they educate them in private school to say the stupid like it's it's idiocy school <laughs> did he get no oh, it just he's... gives them a sense of entitlement I think and yeah you look at I mean being serious you look at somewhere like Finland, where they've done away with private schools, it's actually against the law. Mm. It's against the law to charge people for education. It's in their constitution. Yeah, you know, it's their equivalent of guns in America. You know, every American has to have a gun at birth. Yeah, issued with a gun at birth. Well, in in Finland, it's part of their culture that you do not pay for education. And what it's done is it's given them the best education system in the world. Yeah, because you've got millionaires on your PTA mm. or on your board of governors. <laughs> yeah, who did that's going to improve more. your local comps bloody uh, Ofsted score? Yeah. No end. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's funny. Like, so my my uh, my girlfriend's family, well, my girlfriend and both of her brothers went to private school, but me and her dad did not. We're both state school <clears throat> and sort of working class backgrounds. Um, although I accept I probably don't sound very working class to many people listening. You or watching say this. class rather than class. So that's a bit of a giveaway. <laughs> Well, I no, don't know. This uh, country's got such a weird uh, relationship with class. Some people will say, oh, yeah, like, it's the way that you say class. Other people will say, like, um, what's the one I heard the other week? Like, the working class, no, the middle class shower before work, the working class shower after work. That was one. I was like, that's weird. Okay. Um, then somebody else <laughs> I'm, says, I'm middle class, mate. I'm, I'm not saying I'm working class by any stretch of the imagination. But in, in, in some ways, you know what I mean? Like... I had that upbringing. I went to a good school, which is now a grammar school. It wasn't when I went to it, but it was selective at least. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I worked every Saturday at my yeah. dad's garage, yeah. fixing cars and shit, you know, but he owned his own business, which is a very middle-class thing to do. I went to a good school. I went to university. It's a very middle-class thing to do. And I'm very white, privileged. Yeah, yeah. I understand that. I get it. But there is a limit to what people like me can, can do. And if I wanted to make a film, in which someone befriended a bunch of toffs and the toffs tried to kill them mm. and um, and eat them for some because reasons. Um, I wouldn't get the funding to do that. But if I'd gone to maybe a posh school, I probably would find it a little bit easier to find someone who'll say, oh, yes, Graham, that's a great idea for a film. Here you Networks. go. I've, I've, I've three million pounds to make my zombie film from the point of view of the zombies. But spare a thought just for a second. <laughs> if anyone's watching. <laughs> spare a thought for a second for the people who do go to private school and who then fail because <laughs> like that know? was like for, if i failed do they though if i failed i'd be like i well you know th them's the breaks i'm not you know i'm not connected I'd rather they fail aid i'd rather they fail because otherwise they're hogging all the top jobs well which i think a lot they of them do don't fail. need i they think they're enough money failures. to sit on a beach with all their life and just have a party just have fun yeah but, but also the other thing i was going to say all the top jobs <laughs> the, the other thing i was going to say just quickly was like i i feel like when the subject of class uh, arises in journo-political spheres, I feel like it's actually quite unhelpful to focus on like the working and the middle yes. because that sort of suggests that if you're in the middle, 
you are just a hair's breadth away, just a little reach away from making it. Like if you're on 55K or 65K, that's a sort of middle class income. You're almost there to be the upper class. You're almost in high society. The actual reality of it, as I'm sure, you know, you and I know, is that, yeah, like there's this working class here down on like 17K or 25K. Then you've got like 55K up to like 80, 90K is like, you know, middle class. You're talking crazy figures here I, to me, mate. I've never then, earned enough money to pay fucking income tax. But <laughs> but there is like, the point I'm getting to is I'm like, 44! But there's like a oh, whole thanks. other tier of super wealthy people who yeah. the, even the upper middle class don't can't dream of even touching and it's yeah. those guys that people like that the middle and the working and the upper middle everyone should be uniting together and going hang on a second we're all paying an absolute shed load on ni income tax how come this guy's paying nothing yeah. through his shell companies in the isle of man in the yeah Cayman islands um, through panama city <laughs> so yeah uh, but yeah, I, I look. I, so this movie came out. It's the the writer director is privately educated. Nearly all the cast are privately educated, except for the lad who plays a state school kid. And you know Barry Keegan, a uh, Keoghan, he had a really rough upbringing. He his mum died when he was young of an overdose, I think actually. Um, and he was fostered. He went. He was he was under dozens of different foster parents until the age of eighteen. Yeah, and uh, you know he had a really really rough upbringing and i just feel it's a little bit um uh pushing our faces in it because i always feel this about travel shows i watch a lot of travel shows on tv and then the all of them are presented by some toff who can afford these bloody travel jaunts to places and they're like hey well isn't this great isn't this nice mm. and the one time a state school kid gets to make a travel show and what do they call it an idiot abroad Yes, and it's oh, look at that. That's do I win a prize? It. Yeah, you do. You win the yeah. <laughs> you win the Toffs the Toffs rule or surprise. But yeah, no, it's it's just what we're seeing as well is because of the lack of social mobility, and that's what I'm talking about essentially here. It's not just you mm. know, and and I, I preference the the uh, private school mafia website with the big thing saying some of my real good friends are privately educated, some of my biggest heroes like Ish Mail went to private school. But like at the same time, you gotta understand that, you know, maybe fifty years ago social mobility was better. You had these actors like Michael Caine or Sean Connery who came from nothing mm. and, uh, and managed to make it as as big Hollywood stars. Yeah. That doesn't really happen anymore. Nearly every actor who makes it now has got money behind them because you can't do the auditions for five years and live in London and not work. Yeah. <laughs> Unless yeah. you've got loads of money behind you, like Benedict Cumberbatch or Olivia Coleman or or um, Eddie Redmayne, or well, I'm seeing it with music as well. It's making music bland and boring. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm it's, not saying they're bad actors, by the way. I think they're fantastic actors. I'm just saying. But that's that's a key point, a isn't variety. it? And it's it's important to uh, to to emphasize that that it's not <clears throat> it's not a uh, you know moral failing on one person to have a particular background that they do. It's it's more a reflection on trying to make things fairer. For everybody else in society to just give them a shot so back in the day there was social housing there was a lot more i guess comparatively generous um social security yeah. um you would have more 
publicly funded theatre schools. <clears throat> All of this stuff has just faded away. And you're right. And then on top of that, you've got the housing crisis. You've got childcare issues. Like people, people don't get anywhere near the same shot at social mobility. And the yeah. few that do could could quite reasonably lose it. Like you'll have well, people. I, I, sorry, yeah. you go. No, I was going to say I completely agree with you. And you, you, you actors like Sean Bean and uh, Christopher Eccleston has brought this up. Uh, Ian Hart, who was in, I was watching him last night because he was in the, uh, the the post office documentary. Mm. He grew up down the road from me in Liverpool, and he went to you know the youth theatre. Yeah, this stuff doesn't exist anymore, mate. There's no way of getting into the industry unless you've got a bit of watch behind you. And when I say about music as well, that really pisses me off because. I am getting incredibly frustrated that here we are in 2024, and I'm looking at the lineups for the for the summer con- uh, for the summer festivals, and it's all these bands in the 90s. Oh I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. mate, but in the 90s we weren't going to see the Bay City fucking Rollers at yeah. Glastonbury. Do you know what I mean? The night the set there were no 70s bands playing. You yeah. might get the Sex Pistols doing a reunion, but that was weird you know it was like just one year i've thought this like so last time i looked at like the reading lineup it was all bands that i'd seen before and i was just like is there no new new music bands coming through the pipeline it's very difficult to get into making music unless you've got a bit of watch behind you but also at the same time because of spotify because the whole yeah landscape of how you make music has changed there used to be people going out to clubs and bars and seeing live bands and signing them up and then putting some money behind them and getting them going. Mm. That doesn't happen anymore. You've got to have an album. You've yeah. got to have an album and it's got to be produced really, really professionally. It's got to have artwork. It's got to have production values. Do you know what I mean? And unless you can afford to pay for a recording studio like the Dickhead for Mumford and Sons yeah. because your daddy owns GB News, then yeah, <laughs> good luck, mate. And it's why we're seeing so few new bands coming up because it's just so much more difficult yeah. than it ever was. And it's the same with, do you know what? It's the same in stand-up comedy also. Like yeah. all of the big American stand-up comedians are big American stand-up comedians that were around doing like Netflix or HBO specials <clears throat> like 10, 12 years ago. Yeah, but they were a little like... bit less transphobic then. Well, that's true, yeah. But they've got to ride this contentious, salacious wave, haven't they? They've got to get oh, that yeah. outrage. Those trans people, they just have it easy, don't they? With everyone yeah. picking on them literally every day on Twitter. This is what I don't get. Like The whole thing with stand-up is he's supposed to punch down. <laughs> yeah. So how have Unless we got Unless you're Manning. <laughs> yeah, but that's like... It's like such a dated... Uh, edge case kind of form of stand-up. That, yeah, Bernard Manning, uh, Jim Davidson... Um, it just seems so strange that we've got this world of, you know, actually until very recently, um, uh, like left-leaning uh, stand-ups yep. now sort of all tapping into this. <laughs> so Dave Chappelle, I would have said, was reasonably progressive until like, you know, 10 years ago. They like to be saying, oh, I'm saying the things that you're not allowed to say. And I'm like, you're not. No. Every, people say it all the time on Twitter. Every day you go on Twitter someone's going off about trans people existing every yeah. single day. It's not like, oh my God, I never really thought of it that way. Yeah, yeah you make a really good point. It's, it's, it's just, it is punching down and it's an absolute disgrace and it needs to be called out. And it is part of the Tory uh, Republican culture war bullshit that we're having to put up with because they're like, don't worry about the economy not growing for 16 years. Look at this person wanting to use the toilets. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. distraction politics, isn't it? <laughs> and... Um... <laughs> 
Great. I've got five minutes left and I need to quickly Ooh. do the tap dancing tosser award. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Who's it going to be this week? Previous winners of the tap dancing Can tosser award. Do I get to choose? Uh, no, no. I'm, oh. I've, pre, I've pre-chosen. Um, oh. Can uh, I write it down? And if it's the same person? Yeah. I don't think um, it will be, though. Like, it's not. It's, really? This person is not as high profile as perhaps oh, okay. uh, previous recipients have been. Um so previous previous winners of the award um, have been uh, Jolly Mercer was a couple of weeks ago. Who else have we had? Um, Nadim Zahawe. Uh, who was the last? Oh, Sean Bailey as well. Um, doesn't have to be a man, you know. We don't want to. We don't want to always give it to a man. We want to be somewhat diverse on the uh, on the show. Uh, so in that spirit, this week's tap dancing tosser award. Um, here we go. I'm going to, let's give you some context, shall we? This week's award goes out to not a politician for a change. Oh. Um, so not to use a coffee, then? No, no. Um, and it's not Dan Wooten because he's gone very strangely quiet. Um, maybe he's gone back to New Zealand. I don't know. Um, oh, poor New Zealand. Uh, but here we go. Right. Here's first. the context. Uh, listen to this. Right. This this coverage of Kate Middleton. Um, <laughs> oh, so, so first... <laughs> First, on Thursday, this big headline across the Daily Mail it says, let's pray they're both okay. This is about Kate Middleton and King Charles both going in for routine hospital, like, little operations, right? Which is, like, I think, I mean, the, the way that it's worded, like, let, let's pray they're both okay. Like, they're not missing, are they? They haven't gone missing. They haven't been kidnapped. But that's the way it's written. Let's just pray <laughs> that they're okay. Like, I pray that my son is okay, Graham, when he's out of sight for longer than seven minutes. That's when I pray someone is okay. If there's two people coming to dinner at hours and I'm cooking, I might pray that they are okay afterwards. So there's that to start with. Then there's this, right? This is an article written in all seriousness, published by the Daily Mail... Uh, this morning and that is an important point right this is the thing that gets missed quite a bit is that when they write these things when they write these articles graham they don't just write them and they're just immediately published no 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 no. they write them they email them to their like line editor or whatever and then that person reads it couple of like notes or whatever they tweak it like then they send it up to the actual like royal editor or the political editor who then read it so it's not just like a haphazard like mistake when they print something stupid it goes through various levels of approval before it's finally green lit which is what makes it so utterly ridiculous when they read through it and then green light it also so here we go um here is the the pulitzer prize winning contribution from the uh, uh, from the Daily Mail this morning, Liz Jones is the journalist. Liz Jones writes: This feels personal. The news that Kate is in hospital has hit me like a young member of my family has been struck down. It continues. She's the person we would all love to have in our family at special get-togethers. Cheerful, unflappable, beautifully turned out, great with the little ones, willing to muck in, clear plates and discard wrapping paper, play the diplomat in family arguments. Just the sight of her anywhere. Read slim and elegant, conquer hair shining, always, always smiling. 
makes the world nicer, better, easier, navigable. The news on Wednesday afternoon that she has been admitted to hospital, possibly for two weeks, sent shivers down my spine. And then the disclosure she's unlikely to return to public duties until after Easter! Exclamation mark. January suddenly seems interminably long and much greyer than it was before. I was walking my dogs. I love this bit. I, this, is my, this is the peak. I was walking my dogs and I saw a young woman stop and stare at her phone. Mittens shooting to her mouth. I asked if she was okay. <laughs> it's Kate. She's in hospital. Everyone in earshot rummaged in pockets to find phones and to stop and stare. I mean, like, did this even fucking happen, Graham? <laughs> you know, when you were reading the first bit there, the first paragraph, I, I think you need to do a video of you pretending to masturbate while saying that. <laughs> I think that'd be that'd be fucking brilliant. Get that on TikTok. Just read out what they say, word for word. I'd just be like this under the desk. I've told you this before, Graham. The only time I'm recording and broadcasting myself <laughs> masturbating is on election night. <laughs> On um, early fans, on early yeah. fans, yeah. <laughs> it, it, the, that that is that is uh, the deferential nature of the British psyche, isn't it? It's, it's nuts. It's like, does anyone believe? His right. This is this is the takeaway: is when she says, "I was walking my dogs and I saw a young woman stop and stare at her phone, m mittens shooting to her mouth, like aghast." Right. So there's two things with that. I was like, number one. A young woman, she says. Right. Do you know anyone under the age of 40 even <laughs> that no, would care <laughs> about a oh. routine hospital operation? It's Oh, my God, it's Kate. Kate's in hospital. Oh, my God. What, she, was she stabbed? No. No, she wasn't. She's no. having some sort of abdominal. Like, it's totally routine. It's okay. Oh, my God. Oh, I was so scared. So that didn't happen. Right. The second thing, the second takeaway... <laughs> It's like, it says, I'm going to reread it. Hold on. I was walking my dogs and I saw a young woman stop, stare at her phone, mittens shooting to her mouth. I asked, I was like, if she's staring at her phone, right? This is a smartphone because it's 2024. If she's yeah. staring at her phone, who, who controls their phone when they're wearing mittens? Like, am I insane? You don't, how would you're, you? You're, you're reading too much into this aid. I mean, it's obviously bullshit, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, can, I, uh, uh, can I go with Teresa Coffee? <laughs> no, no, oh, this please. is not a democracy. Um, Honestly, man, I, I almost, I, I don't know. I didn't know what to think. Like Teresa Coffee, she has a PhD. She got yeah. into Oxford. She didn't get a PhD from Oxford. She actually got kicked out of Oxford. But, mm. you know, uh, she's part of the private school mafia. I was about to and ask. She is. Yep. As ugly as a human being can possibly get. On the Jesus Grey. No, she's minging. She's 100% ming. Anyway, There's someone uh, she, for everyone. She, she stood up in Parliament today and laughed at Yvette Cooper for making up a, a new country in Africa called Kigali. And she said, we don't refer to it as Kigali. It's, it's actually Rwanda, don't you know? And Kigali is the capital of Rwanda. And it was just like, for me, as a geography wonk, it was... It was sheer pain, mate. It was like an icy dagger through my heart. I said, I, I said that should have come with a trigger warning. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a, a tweet about it where they were like, I love the look on Yvette Cooper and Stephen Kinnock's face, I think it was, where it's like she says it and then they pan over to Cooper and Kinnock and they're both just like, 
Oh, oh God. Uh, corpsing, <laughs> I believe, is the term. Um, yes. But yes, anyway, I'm going to... So, okay, Therese Coffey is a, she's a close second. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Liz Jones of the Daily Mail. Take a bow. Liz Jones. Um, you I'll have, have to look won, her up. You've won this week's Tap Dancing Tosser Award. Um, thank you very much to my, to my guest <sighs> for the evening. <clears throat> Uh, Graham Hughes. I'll be on Graham's show. He does Labour Social. Um, I'm often guesting on it uh, like every Friday yes. night. Um, yep. We've so got a lot yes. better to do. <laughs> no, me welcome, welcome to your 40s, Aid. Yeah. Um, you don't need to tell me. I mean, I, look, I've got two kids and an angry girlfriend in the house. So this is my social <laughs> life now. Like, I'm just <laughs> a sad dad in a shed drinking. <laughs> drinking um, alone. Yeah, actually, should we quickly we'll, we'll quickly do some uh, some some read of the comments on the on the YouTube yes, live chat. You should. You should. Um, so do uh, do do. Let's let's start at the top, shall we? Bit of a recap, I suppose, of tonight's content. Um, he says, "Awkward, awkward, dead air time." <laughs> um, you can talk while you read, can't you? Yeah. Oh, Christine Cash is on. Hey, Christine, how you doing? Hello. She's in America. Um, number three. I've not seen number three in the chat before, I don't think. Uh, the UK is a sane, honest country. Promise. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, Tracy says, I also learned today that we finished paying off a loan for compensation to slave owners in 2015. Is that true? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, basically, it was, the in, uh, it was paying off the loan that was taken out to pay off the, the, oh, really? the slave owners. Yeah, because when when we abolished slavery, we didn't give any compensation to the slaves. We gave compensation to the slave owners, oh. and it wasn't paid off till twenty fifteen. It's completely true. And what did we like? We paid that off with bonds, did we? And then now we've paid off the bondholders, something like that. Uh, yes, something, something <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Mojo um, Sabian uh, is one of my patrons. What's up, Mojo? <laughs> uh, he says. Uh, so we were talking earlier about. Um, you know, can you name one thing that's improved <laughs> over the 14 years of, you know, Tory governance? Um, Mojo says, yep, I've got it. After 14 years of Tory government, the chances for the opposition have never been better. <laughs> I like it. Um, uh, he also says, is that you on that T-shirt aid? No, it's not. Do you know what? Weirdly, it's Des Lynam. Pablo Escobar. No. Definitely Pablo Escobar, mate. It's Des Lynam, man. It's Pablo Escobar. It's not, but he doesn't. Do you know what? It, he looks Pablo esque, so I'll give you that. Um, Duke Vengeance. So we were talking about Tories facing accountability earlier. Uh, Duke. Duke Vengeance is a great name for that. Isn't I know. It? I like Duke. Hi, right, Duke. Um, How you doing, mate? What's up, Duke? Uh, he says, strip their assets for every penny that they stole and then jail. Yes. <laughs> I love I like it. The sound of that. Um, yes. I often look at it like, you know what, previously in, in former iterations of, you know, former parliaments, I would have accepted just voting them out. But the fact that they continuously, progressively take the piss, now yes. I've been radicalised to the point where I'm like, no, you go to jail now. I'm like, <laughs> um, <laughs> Right, let's just quickly, quickly scan down a few more and then uh, we need to knock it on the head so I can get onto Labour Social with Graham. Um, uh, Mojo says Lee Anderson would be my tap dancing tosser. Yes, do you know what he he should have been in there too, shouldn't he? Really, he cried. He, he laughed cry? at him and he cried and ran away. 
That's right. Yeah, because he said he was going to vote against the deal. Then he went into the no lobby to vote yeah. against it. And everyone was giggling about the fact that he was in there. Everyone anyway. took the pick. Uh, took the piss. <laughs> suggesting. <laughs> that off the because Lee Anderson defected from Labour to the Tories, that now that he was in the no lobby, yeah. voting like, with Labour, they back. were like, you're yeah, oh, back. you're coming back, are you? Like, um, So, yeah, <laughs> bless him. Bless his little cottons. Um, let's see. One more. We'll do one more comment, and then uh, then i got to go. Um, I've got a thumbnail to make. Have you? Oh, God. We're keeping Graham. Um, <laughs> Sandy Bill says, uh, William looks up at Kate kate from under the bed sheets and says can you smell sausages <laughs> what the fuck? william looks up at kate from under the bed sheets <laughs> and says can you smell well, isn't, isn't there a rumor that he's quite into the old pagan is that, oh is yes that... i've heard this so maybe what she's had done to her is a is a is a, a medical operation i don't know i call the strap a dick to me oh could be <laughs> i like it did you have that ready, Joe? Or is that some wordplay just straight off the cuff? I've heard it before. I've heard the term before. <laughs> Look how happy you are with yourself. It would, it, would, it would be quite well. I, I think she's actually had some serious um, uh, operation here, so she probably shouldn't be making mm. uh, uh, light of it. But yeah. um, we, I do wish her well, um, as I would any decent human being. I don't think she's the worst by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Who but, is the worst? Uh, Teresa Coffey. No, Pretty Patel. No, Suella Braveman. Yeah, Suella they... Braveman stood up in Parliament this this week and did another, you know, pound shop Enoch Powell's speech in Parliament. And yeah. how she still got the whip is beyond me. We'll talk about this in Labour Social. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, thank you very Over much to Labour Social, everyone. I'm going to leave. Uh, I'm going to leave Graham B now. I'll just bring it back come to in, me, and see. then we'll say a quick thank you to all of the Patreons. Thank you so much, guys, for your continued support. Uh, I'll quickly name through you uh, now. So Rachel Harris, Bowman, Kai, Chris D, David Voice, Martin Maracas, Mojo Sabian, Peter Del Monte, uh, Pingu, Stuart Chesmer, T-Rex, Aaron Smith, Alex Souter, Jeff McGow, MJ Nichols, uh, Ned Berg, Sarah Setters and Simon Flack. And a massive what's up to the YouTube community members, uh, Kalban Chalam, uh, Margaret Abogai... Ab Abagai? I, I really hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'm obviously not. Uh, Encore and Foire, Cycletricity, and Christine Cash. What's up? Thank you so much for your continued support, guys, and I'll catch up with you all soon. Uh, see you on Labour Social in 20 minutes. Ciao for now. Bye bye. Yeah.